is Get the Balance Right, a podcast for female entrepreneurs who are totally stressed out over money and managing their busy lives. I'm your host, Heather Zeitzwolf, Profit Advisor and Money Coach. I help my clients run more profitable businesses. I take the mystery and confusion out of their numbers so they can reach their financial goals. Join us for a holistic approach that supports a healthy lifestyle while obtaining financial freedom. Stop freaking out. It's time to get the balance right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Get the Balance Right podcast. I am your host, Heather Zeitzwolf. If you listened to last week's episode, which was the first one in season two, then you'll know that I just survived my first solo episode. Wow! Break out the champagne. I went outside my comfort zone and I lived to talk about it. I'm back. I'm back. Yes, I'm back. Yes. I'm so proud of myself for breaking free of my limiting beliefs. If you have something that is holding you back, please take a risk and go for it. I hope I inspire you to step outside of your comfort zone. If you didn't hear last week's solo episode, I talked about finding balance in your busy life. Please check it out and there's a link in the show notes. This week, we are discussing an important topic for all entrepreneurs. It doesn't matter if you've been in business for a short time, you're just starting your business, or you've been in business for years. Because this is about utilizing your unique talents and experience to earn money through different revenue streams. We are joined by Nicole Robert-Jones, who will dive into how to bankroll your brilliance by tapping into your fiercest self. Nicole is a best-selling author, international speaker, and CEO. She went from making $13,000 per year in her business to $200,000 per year. She attributes this success because she hired a coach. She got clear on her gifts and stopped trying to be like everybody else. Now she teaches other women entrepreneurs and executives her formula for how to create a blueprint for a profitable business based on their unique expertise. If that wasn't enough, Nicole is a successful Hollywood casting agency and the host of the Amplify Your Brilliance podcast. The topic today is utilizing your unique talents and experience to earn money through different revenue streams. Before we jump into the interview, let's examine the various revenue streams that may work for you and your business. All right, you ready? You might want to get out a pen or just kind of make some mental notes. Some of the stuff is going to be like, oh yeah, Heather, I know this. And other stuff you might be like, hmm, I've never really thought of that for my business before. Thank you, Heather. Perhaps some of these you already are benefiting from, while others maybe you've never even considered. This is not an all-encompassing list. There are other ways to make money, such as investments, rentals, interest, dividends. However, that's outside of the scope for today's discussion. We'll talk about that another time. Instead, we're going to concentrate on 10 possible revenue streams. Not all of these will be necessarily applicable to your business, but it's good to have an understanding of the possibilities out there and ways that you can repackage your offers. All right, number one, the first one is wholesale. Chances are you're probably not in the wholesale business if you're listening to this podcast, but it is a way, so I'm mentioning it. 
This is where you sell a product to another business or customer who is not the end consumer for that merchandise. Typically in wholesale, the goods are sold at a lower price in large quantities to someone else who will mark it up and sell it. If you're in a service-based business, which is probably most of you listening, this revenue stream will most likely never be a viable option. So you know what? Let's move on to the next one. Number two. I just, my East Coast accent just came out. Number two, retail. Everybody knows what retail is, right? But hey, I got to talk about it. If you grocery shop, spend money at a department store, or order stuff online, then you know all about retail. It's where a product is sold to either another business or consumer in a physical shop or online. An advantage of retail over wholesale is that you can often significantly mark up the product. So wholesale, usually they try to keep the costs really, really low, and then they don't charge much because they know that they're going to sell it to somebody else who's going to mark it up. There are different markup pricing strategies, but in the end, it really depends on what the market will allow. If there is a perceived value, such as there is with a Fendi bag over a Nine West bag, then that's going to make a difference. These handbags could look identical and actually cost similar to produce. But because Fendi is considered a luxury brand, then they can sell the bags at a much higher margin. And the margin is the amount between the cost and the price. That's the margin. The cost associated for a handbag will include materials, labor, transit, duties, those types of things. Now, keep in mind, designer bags are often marked up anywhere from 12 to 20 times greater than the direct expenses associated with the bag. This does not include marketing and advertising costs, which are quite high for luxury brands. I mean, just think about when you get a Vogue magazine, how many ads there are for luxury brands in there. These brands spend a lot on advertising. So when you're buying this stuff, you are paying for the advertising. In fact, luxury brands in the U.S. spent more than $5 billion per year in advertising. That figure came out a couple years ago. You may not be selling a luxury brand, but the concept of perceived value remains whether you are Dollar Tree or Whole Foods. It doesn't matter. It's all about a perceived value. All right, moving on. Number three, manufacturing. To manufacture means to make something from raw materials by hand or by machinery. Manufacturing can include a variety of things, such as cars, salsa, iPads. If you create jewelry by hand and sell it, then by definition, you are a manufacturer. However, here's where things get blurred. If you sell your handmade jewelry through an Etsy shop, then you're also a retailer. Now, this may be the case for people who are listening to this podcast. If you're a creative, I have a lot of creatives that listen to the podcast. They do create stuff, manufacture it, and then they sell it. If your product or services cross over into different revenue streams, it's always good to have an understanding where it makes that transformation from manufacturing to sales because you want to track the expenses separately for each of these activities. This will help you gain the insight needed to understand your true production costs versus your selling cost. Now we're moving into service-based streams of revenue. Number four, the one-to-one model. 
This type of service is typically priced by the hour, the job, or some sort of value pricing based on results. Think of this as a coach, advisor, or consultant. This can also include doctors, massage therapists, and hairstylists. There are a variety of professions that fit neatly into this model. Chances are, if you're listening to this podcast, then this revenue stream is very familiar to you. The barrier of entry is fairly low, which makes this a desirable place to start a business because it's generally the cheapest way to start a business. But this source of income relies on your time. But what if you were able to take your talents from this model and serve a larger audience within the same amount of time. Ha-ha! That brings us to number five, the one-to-many model. These revenue streams include live classes, webinars, summits, retreats, masterminds, and group coaching. I would also classify being a speaker at an event in this category, such as being a presenter or a keynote. This model allows the entrepreneur the opportunity to help and impact more at a fraction of the time because you're not spending time with each person. Now, here's the thing. The revenue received from each participant might be lower than received from one-on-one. Generally, that's the case because you're not gonna charge somebody the same price that you would for a one-on-one coaching session as you would for a group coaching session unless the market will bear that. Here's where it happens though. The more people you add into the program, the more you make. Now, this can be a very lucrative model. However, there is still the burden of time. If it's a live event, there might be significant travel time and other expenses may be involved. However, these can be reduced if you do it online instead, which we have found out through this whole COVID thing. Now, I've started offering group coaching to my clients. I think this is a rewarding model, not only for the host, but for the participants because they get the chance to interact with each other, which creates an interesting added dynamic that you just don't get from one-on-one coaching. Now, you could also do something like I do, which is I offer group coaching, but I also offer one-on-one coaching that can go hand-in-hand with that. Number six, the on-demand model. This one, time is diminished. Think of on-demand as an online course or video where someone can pay to download it at any time. The time involved with this kind of model is spent designing, preparing, marketing, etc. But once it's all ready to go, your presence is no longer required. Sure, you'll probably need to promote it through podcast appearances, social media posts, and emails. But the actual time presenting the materials is no longer a time suck. This has become a very desirable format for many. Just think about how many online courses are out there. Sometimes it feels like everyone has some sort of course for sale. Although this can be quite lucrative, there is a lot of noise and competition to break through. Plus, creating a course can be very time-consuming and require a lot of cash to produce and promote. Depending on your situation, this may not be the cash cow you're looking for. At least not yet. But for others, this could be your holy grail. Once you sink the initial time and costs into generating this thing, you can reap the sweet, sweet benefits of earning passive income in your sleep. Say goodbye to stress-induced insomnia. All right, moving on. Number seven, a program such as a productized service. 
you might be like, wait, what is this? Don't worry, I'm going to tell you. This is where you package up your services and sell at a specific price. Ah, yeah, you've seen this before, of course. These are often sold at different tiers, with the one with the most bells and whistles is the most expensive package. Then there's the middle offer, which is typically the most popular. And then the third one is the least expensive one, which doesn't quite meet the same needs as the one in the middle. For a great example of this, think of various software packages. Oftentimes, the least expensive version might be a few bucks or even free. And then, of course, they leave something out. So you have to get the one in the middle to actually get what you need. There is a lot of psychology going on with this type of pricing structure. Typically, the low-cost one, they have consciously left out some kind of thing that will force the buyer to choose the middle option. And then they leave out one other key little thing to force you to get the really expensive one. This may seem sneaky, but that's how the capitalist world we live in works. Pricing these options is an art form, and it does take trial and error to get it dialed in. Some people start high, but offer discounted rates until they feel more comfortable with their offers, where others increase their programs over time as they solidify their offer, and they feel more confident about the anticipated results the offer is aimed to provide. Okay, number eight, subscription and memberships. Oh my God, talk about our capitalist world. This is it, baby. Remember when you could buy software and just be done with it? Those glorious days are pretty much over. Now you need to pay a monthly or yearly subscription. I don't know about you, but my technology costs are ridiculous. Ridiculous. What makes subscriptions and membership such an amazing revenue stream is that it's predictable. Yes, having predictable revenue can change your business significantly because you know what your cash flow is or at least have a really good idea about it. Sure, people might drop out, which causes attrition, but you can take measures to reduce this by offering something stellar that keeps people wanting to hang on. Everybody seems to be starting membership sites and people are making bank through private groups like on Facebook or Mighty Networks. The key, though, is to build a dynamic community that keeps its members engaged. That's not always the easiest thing, unless you already have a big following. I mean, how many memberships can we be in? Now, membership sites do require ongoing work because you're trying to keep folks around month after month. It's not a do it once, get it done, and then that's it. Our former guest, Nikki Rausch, created a really powerful membership called the Sales Maven Society. I urge you to check it out. And to learn more about it, check out the episode, number 32, and I have a link to it in the show notes. Number nine is affiliate commissions and advertising. Okay, these things are not quite the same thing, but I've lumped them together for brevity. Keep in mind, they are somewhat different. So let's break it down. The first one is affiliate marketing. If you're a podcast host or a blogger, you may have either dipped your toe into these waters or dove straight in. This is sort of like a referral program. To make money, you promote or talk about someone else's product or service. And then when someone purchases it by using your unique link or your code, then you get a piece of the action, which can be a percentage of the sale or a set amount. The payout can be a one-shot thing or intervals based on the buyer's ongoing sales. 
There are tons of affiliate opportunities out there. Just Google affiliates with a company that you like and chances are it's going to come up. If you have a company that you would like to work with and you don't see that there is an affiliate, approach that company and see if they're open to it and then work out a deal. If you want to try affiliate marketing, I would recommend starting with a product or service that you use, believe in, and you tell others about it. For instance, I really like Gusto Payroll, and I recommend that to my clients to use. I'm also an affiliate for Gusto. So if you need payroll, please check out my link in the show notes. And you'll also get money. They pay you money if you use my affiliate link. Affiliate marketing can be a slow way to start generating cash. However, the barrier of entry is extremely low. Just think about all the people that blog. They're blogging about these things so you will click on the affiliate link and purchase it. It may not generate cash right away, but once you gain momentum, you can potentially live off this type of revenue stream. All right, commissions. That's a reward or compensation to a salesperson who generated or closed the sale. The payout structure for affiliate and commissions can be similar, but when I think of commissions, I think of it as requiring more activity and participation between the buyer and the one receiving the compensation. Now, that could just be semantics. You may think of commissions and affiliates as the same, but I like to break it out differently. All right, advertising. This one is totally different from the other two because you don't make money from the sale. You make money through selling the advertising spot. So say you have a video program or you have a podcast or you're going to do some kind of event where you're going to sell space in a program, that's how you make money from that advertising. So unless you have a really large or very targeted audience, selling advertising can be rather tough and the barrier of entry is very high. I think for a podcast, it's going to be really tricky unless you have a lot of downloads or you have a very targeted podcast where Whoever wants to place the ad is really going after that segment. Now, if you are putting on an event where you're printing out a program, maybe contacting some local businesses that want to advertise, that may be a lot easier. But internet advertising might be a little bit harder, unless it's local, unless you're trying to reach local businesses. All right, number 10. This is a goodie. Passive income, such as royalties. Renting property is a form of passive income, but we're not going to talk about that. That's for another show. We've touched on passive income a little bit earlier, but other ways that you can make money through passive income besides having an on-demand course is producing a PDF and selling each download. Once you've created this PDF, whether it's a book, a graphic, a form, a sign, or whatever, you can sell this puppy over and over again. People really do this. Another way you can approach this, if you write a book, you can offer it free online with the cost of shipping. Typically, these offers include other opt-ins, such as a course, which generates larger sales because with the book, you can't make that much money. But if you offer it for free, charge the shipping, which you're going to make some money off of, and then get someone to opt into a course, you could potentially make a lot more money. Think of it as the book being a gateway to other sales. Writing books has a lot of advantages for your business. I'm not going to get into it too much today because we have an expert next week that dives into that very subject. Be sure to tune in. Okay, so the list again, just to wrap it up. Number one, wholesale. Number two, retail. 
Number three, manufacturing. Number four, the one-to-one model. Number five, one-to-many model. Number six, on-demand. Number seven, a program such as a productized service. Number eight, subscription and memberships. Number nine, affiliate commissions and advertising. And number 10, passive income such as royalties. As you can tell, many of these revenue streams kind of cross over. For instance, Netflix is an on-demand model, but it's also a subscription. When developing your offers, think about the ways in which your desired customer would want it. Which one of these streams works for them? For instance, if you were targeting folks with differing work schedules, a course at a scheduled time may be problematic, whereas an on-demand course wouldn't be problematic. Be sure that the revenue stream fits with your offer. If your target is millennial age moms, then maybe having affiliate links to Grindr is not a good fit. Or maybe it is. Uh, by the way, I don't really know much about Grindr. I just like saying it because I think it's a funny word. And I don't know. It may have affiliate links. It may not. You can check it out. And if you do, DM me. I'm curious. Also think about with these different revenue streams, how your target can afford it. For instance, if people want to work with me but can't afford my one-on-one coaching, I probably have a higher chance of being able to help them through my group coaching that I can offer at a lower price. If you're interested in my group coaching or one-on-one coaching, follow the links in the show notes and set up a discovery call with me. I would love to talk to you. All right. Now that we're all on the same page in regards to various revenue streams, let's jump into how you can tap into these things. In this discussion, guest Nicole Roberts-Jones explains how you can take your uniqueness, turn it into something fierce, and use that to make money through a variety of revenue streams. If you don't know Nicole, if you haven't seen her picture or followed her on Instagram or her podcast, you may not know this, but Nicole has this sexy and cool manner of speaking. If you listen to her podcast, you know what I mean. She introduces it like, amplify your brilliance. I'm not doing it justice, but I love trying to sound like her. Amplify your brilliance. I just Sometimes I just say that. It just comes out. She's just so damn cool. Besides oozing sexuality and coolness, Nicole is a fashionable, classy lady. Here's the thing. I typically wear t-shirts and hoodies when I record the podcast. But for Nicole, I felt like I should take it up a notch. Since I already wore my leopard print jacket on an earlier episode, I decided to wear my faux leather biker jacket. It's very stylish. It was originally quite expensive, but I got it on the sale rack. Although the jacket is super cute, it has these annoying dangly metal pieces hanging from the zippers at the wrist. They don't generally bother me, so I totally forgot about them. Unfortunately, those freaking clangy pieces occasionally knocked against the mic stand while we were recording, which I was totally unaware of until I listened to the recording. So peeps, if you hear a little click, click, sound, that's my fashion crying out to be heard. All right. Here is my interview with the fabulous, sassy, and fierce Nicole Roberts-Jones. Amplify your brilliance. 
Nicole Robert-Jones. Welcome to Get the Balance Right podcast. Yeah, excited to be here. You have a lot of stuff going on. Not only do you have a podcast, you're a coach, you have these YouTube videos that come out every week that are about the topic that we're going to discuss today. You're a mom. You've got so much going on. Wow. Tell me just a little bit about you and your life and what brought you to coaching. So to be honest with you, I wasn't brought to coaching. If you would have asked me, so I've been this year marks 28 years. I'm like, how old am I? And I'm actually a grandmother. I'm not a mother. I'm a bonus mother. My children were a bonus added blessing when I got married. So I haven't had any kind of childbirth. However, I have three grandkids because of them. So hallelujah. So anyway, if you would have asked me 28 years ago, if I was going to start a business, I would have told you, Heather, you're crazy. Girl, get out of my face. I'm not doing that. And so really what happened is I had the career I've always dreamed of. And I have to tell this story so you guys understand. Those of you that are listening, this may be you. You may be in a perfect career, right? I worked in entertainment. It was a job I had dreamed of since I was seven years old. But at the time I worked for Viacom's largest cable network, I went from there to working on the number one TV show on Fox. And then I went from there and I worked with the entertainment group and what we produced generated over 12.6 billion dollars a year. So I want you guys to realize I was playing big. Plus I was going to all the Hollywood parties, bumping elbows with stars. I was living the dream. But at night when I was by myself, I started to feel like my dream was becoming my nightmare. Now, again, Hollywood was great. I loved every minute of it, but I couldn't shake off this feeling of something feeling like it was missing. When you have the job you dream of, I'm like, I don't understand. How do I feel like this? But of course, when I tried to talk to my girlfriends, they were like, are you crazy? Then you go to this red carpet event and then you go to this party and, and all of that was great. Don't get me wrong. I still miss the parties. But in the middle of me feeling dazed and confused because I'm thinking, what else could it possibly be? I volunteered one night at my church working with young women. And as I work with those young women, their eyes lit up. And as their eyes lit up, my heart lit up. And I realized, oh my God, this is that thing. But there was no word for it. This was 1993. There was no such thing as a coach. My soul was alive. And so I had a decision to make. So here I am 28 years later, y'all know what the decision was, but that really is what started the journey is that moment feeling like something was missing and seeking that answer. That's very cool. Not only because you've discovered this about yourself, but also it came from volunteering. And I am a big proponent about volunteering because you might be exposed to something completely different. Like you said, it brought out a quality in you that you didn't even know, you didn't even think about. That's very cool. Now let's fast forward and you are at this point in your life. You're helping out people. You've got a podcast and we're going to be talking about ways that you can utilize your talent to have several streams of income. Right. And I know that you have a strategy around this. It's called bankroll your brilliance. Ooh, I like this as an accountant. I like that. It's a three-part strategy. I want to just make sure that we understand what the three parts are, if you could break that down, and then we'll go, we'll dive deeper into each one. of. Well, I feel like in order to break that down, I want to break down what is brilliance, because there's a four-part piece to that. The reason I'm going to do this is because this is really what I went through, Heather, at that time, is I felt like my purpose was calling. And, and I think all of us ask the question, why am I here? And what is my legacy? Or what difference do I want to make? Or how will people remember me? Whatever way you ask it, we all ask that same question. That is what was bumping up against me in that moment for me. And so I call it my fierce framework. Now, let me just say, I got to give a shout out to Beyonce. I named it that because maybe about 10 or 15 years ago, now mind you, I've been using the framework and I didn't have a name for it, but I was watching Beyonce and hating on her. I would say a little bit, but I was having a full on jealous moment because you need to know if I could sing, baby, she'd have a run for her money. But anyway, I was watching it. And then what dropped in my spirit is you have fierce too. And I'm like, 
is that you guys talking to me while I'm watching Beyonce? What I began to realize is when Beyonce created Sasha Fierce, what was happening was there was another level of her brilliance calling. And in order for her to do this thing or become this thing, it was scary. And that was the same thing that was happening for me. In order for me to do this thing that was rumbling in me, because even though my soul was alive that night, as I told you guys that story, this was something I didn't know what to call this. This was before there was a such thing as a coach. I didn't know what to call this thing. And it wasn't glamorous like my daytime job. If I go back to Beyonce, she was at a crossroad. Do I stay in Destiny's Child, which is comfortable and easy and I know, or do I go after this solo career that's rumbling inside of me? And so in order for her to go after that, she made up this alter ego called Sasha Fierce so she could stand in the full power of what she knew she was meant to do and that would help her through her fear. That for me is really what happened. I had to do this thing afraid. I had to stop trying to make it feel comfortable. I had to stop trying to use what I already knew how to do and try to do it again because it wasn't working. That is how I came up with the Fierce Framework. So here are the four steps. So the first step is what are you passionate about? Like, what do you love to do that you could do hour upon hour? So the second is what are you proficient in? What are you really great at? So you can't love it and be horrible at it. Because again, I told you if I could sing, mm -hmm, Beyonce would be having to move over for me. (laughs) And you can't be proficient in it and hate it. Even Michelle Obama talked about that in her book, Becoming. She was a lawyer, but she hated it. And so those two things have to correlate. For me that night, I realized what I do now is still casting. So I worked in casting of the number one TV show on Fox. I still do casting. Now what I do is help women get in the right role in their business. So it's the same thing. It's just an expansion of it. I didn't realize then. The third step is what problem does it solve? Because it ain't about you. And I meant to say ain't. It's not about you. So everything we do, we do for other people. And then last but not least is the big P that everybody wants is profits. Because ultimately, when you do what you love and you're good at it, first of all, you never feel like you're working. So you always want to overdo it because it's so great and you're good at it. So then if it answers a problem, people will pay you for it. So that's the four steps. And I had to go through that first at that crossroad for me in order to even begin to bankroll my brilliance. Oh, right. Yeah. And I heard you on another podcast talking about how you really need to tap into that one thing and build that one thing from the ground up and be known for this one thing. Can you dive into that a little bit more? As you answer the fierce framework, you listen, you can't be everything to everybody, but you're something to someone. But it's usually one thing. What I had to learn in my own journey, because I'm good at a whole lot of things, but there's only one Diana Ross in the Supremes, right? So those of you that don't know who that is, there's only one Beyonce in Destiny's Child. What I had to learn from my own self is there's one thing that stands out in regards to everything I do. And that's that casting gene that I have in me. I've always been there, girl. Even at five, I would cast my friends in their role and play games. And one of my friends reminded me that at a wedding a few years ago. I'm like, I did that? I've always been this girl. That's the thing. And so when you start trying to just focus on that one thing, you can grow it because if you give it 100% of your attention, you can grow it. Instead of if you're trying to start three businesses at the same time, you're, you know, that's 30%, 30%, or 35, 35, and maybe 20. But I can't add, so whatever. I got an accountant with me, so please correct me. So that means you're not giving it all your attention. That's why the power of one, if you just focus fully and completely on one thing and get it going really well, then you also get known for that one thing because ultimately a confused mind doesn't buy. That's right. Yes. We're going to actually talk about taking this one thing then and having several revenue streams from this one big thing. I want to make sure that we cover your three strategies. I know it has to do with stand in your power, understand the value of it, 
then you can learn how to do your multiple streams. Why don't you break that down for us? One is standing for power. So that's like that first framework I just talked about. Malcolm Gladwell talked about that in his book, Outliers. He talked about mastery, like 10,000 hours is the magical. Like, so when you think about Michael Jordan, who didn't make his high school basketball team, first tryout, and then he went home, he practiced every single day that summer. Every single day. And the rest is history. I don't need to tell you guys what else happened after that. Even Beyonce, who at nine years old, nine years old. Now, I don't know what you guys are doing at nine years old after school. And in the summer, I was not practicing to be in a singing group with my friends. Okay, at least not every day, but literally every single day. That's what she did. That's that 10,000 hour. So you've got to master your gift. You've got to be clear on what it is and then you've got to grow it. So that's the first step. What I often say is almost like when we started school, you didn't just go to kindergarten and then you were done. You had to go kindergarten and then elementary and then junior high. And so you matriculated through that education level. Well, you have to do the same thing as matriculate through your brilliance levels. Because even when I think about my own journey, when I started entertainment, that was one level of the same gift. Me starting coaching and even now me understanding how to take it and bankroll that gift. All of those are new levels of the same gift. So that's step one is really mastering your brilliance. Step two is, listen, it's valuizing the people that need you. So I don't call it marketing. I call it visibility because so many people use what I call cookie cutter marketing. All marketing plans don't fit everybody. So you've got to allow people to experience you. Also, I call it dating. When my husband came to our first date, if he would have brought my ring to that first date, I would have been like, this brother is crazy. Please let me out of here. So you've got to let people experience you. So that's that value. Once they experience you, they see the value you bring. And hopefully they, number three, hire you. What most billionaires don't tell you is you've got to have multiple ways to serve people. So real quick example, I had the pleasure of coaching Dr. Deborah Tillman, America's super nanny years ago. And her issue was that she had had so many people coming to her and she couldn't serve everybody or some of them couldn't afford her. What I said to her is you need to create a blueprint. And she said, oh, I tailor the experience every time somebody works with me. Okay, no, you don't. Right. And I thought she's going to fire me when I said that. But what we don't realize is every morning you wake up, Heather, you are Heather on autopilot. There are things that you do that are intrinsic to your DNA, your distinct natural ability that you just do. So if we can package that and we can package it in ways you can serve people where you're not present or one to many model. Or maybe there's one piece in your blueprint that you might have this program over here and another piece of here. So there's multiple ways you can serve people and then also creates multiple revenue streams for you. And what about people that suffer from imposter syndrome? That seems like to be fierce, you have to tackle the imposter syndrome. Does that kind of get in the way to find your fierceness? So here's what you have to know. When Beyonce created that fierce, it was because she was afraid. So that imposter syndrome usually is rooted in fear. You're afraid someone's going to find out you don't know what you're doing or what if you don't know what you're doing or what if I'm not smart enough or all of that is based on fear. And fear only comes when you're playing bigger than you've ever played before. So you can choose, I always say your comfort and your conviction can never coexist. And so fear comes because it's uncomfortable. So imposter syndrome is your fear knocking like, girl, sit down, you can't do this. And you need to say, look, yes, I can. I might not know what I'm doing, but here's the thing I also want you to know. Where you're teaching other people, you haven't arrived. For people that I'm working with, I'm not 100% of where I want to be yet. I still have goals to accomplish, but I'm still 20 steps ahead of you, right? So that means I can still teach you, even though I still have more goals to conquer. All of us never arrive. So that imposter syndrome, no, if you're going to conquer it, you have to know you have nothing to hide, nothing to protect, nothing to defend, and nothing to prove that I can be all of me and be brilliant and clueless all at the same time. And it's okay. Your program sounds like it really is about bringing out whoever you are, you as the brand almost. When you work with someone 
do they have to have a big personality to be able to do this? Or can anybody that has a service business step into this? Yes. And people that don't have one yet. Yes. The thing you have to know is that there are a group of people assigned to you. So whatever your personality is, there are people that are going to love you just because you're just like that. I talk fast. I stop trying to talk slower because it just doesn't work. Or I feel like I'm in slow motion when I talk slow and it's weird. So I stopped. But some people go, oh, you talk fast. Okay, well, then I'm not the coach for you. But some people go, girl, I love it. Okay, great. That means I'm a good fit for you. When you do you the way you do you, nothing else matters. Listen, I always say no one can do you like you can do you. It's not about you being a big personality, but it is standing in your own fears, your own truth and being unapologetic about it. Once somebody has that, how do they then take that into several different revenue streams? Are we talking about maybe doing coaching and webinars? Let me say this. There's no cookie cutter answer. Everybody's different. So it really is getting clear on what your blueprint is. So what I mean by that is just like when you're building a house, I recently had the awesome opportunity to redo the home I grew up in. And so, of course, I redid all the stuff that I had wanted to do since I was a little knocked out closets and knocked down walls and added a room. And But when I first walked in, I started saying, I want this and I want that. And the contractor said, hold on, we need to do a blueprint first. Why? I know what it work. You know, I lived in this house for 20 something years. So he started saying to me, if you don't do a blueprint, you can go buy the latest walls the most expensive phenomenal walls. And then the walls might not match the floor. And then when there's an earthquake, because the house is in California, then the whole house would fall. And so really what happens is people start doing stuff like just, oh, let me start a coaching program or, oh, let me do this. And just because that's what you see other people doing. Listen, there was a woman, I was on a clubhouse maybe about a month ago. And she said, um, can I ask you a question, Nicole? I built this program because I saw all these other people doing it and they were getting money and they were getting paid, but I'm not generating any revenue. And she said, what's the problem? I said, I can tell you one thing. You got to shift from selling to serving. And when you're serving from the problem and you're the answer, you're not trying to make money. You're trying to make a difference and get paid for it. Difference, I think, is a huge game changer is having that strategy around how you're going to help move someone's life or career or business forward. That is how you begin to look at what ways should you profit from it. When someone has this gift that they want to bring out to the world, they want to serve the world. How do they then figure out what are the right revenue streams for them? I know it's not, they have to figure out a blueprint. So is this something that they have to strategize and figure out, okay, where can my gifts be utilized best for that audience? Yes. And then what ways do you want to serve the people too? So what I always recommend is you need to hire a coach. So many people will try to do this stuff on their own. Two things. I said this earlier. Are you on autopilot? There's things you do that you don't realize that's in your blind spot. So you need someone that can see in your blind spot. So I know even for me, after I had been working in entertainment, I shifted my career. I Look, I wasn't making money in the beginning and I wasn't making money in the beginning because I was not looking in my blind spot. I needed someone else to say, Nicole, you didn't see this and you know you didn't see over there. I'm like, oh, because you overlook yourself because, again, you wake up and you are on autopilot. So I can't coach me. I had to hire coaches, too. You've got to hire a coach that can help you get really clear on what is your blueprint? What is the DNA that sprinkles through everything you do? And how do you package that to serve the people that you are born to serve? Yeah, I think having a coach is is a brilliant way. To me, it's like one of the best investments that you can have in your business because you're investing not only in your business, but you're investing in yourself. Like you said, you can't get to these great places if you don't do the messy stuff. And the coach can push you along and force you to go into those spots that don't feel so comfortable anymore. But that's the only way you're going to grow. 
And if I can give you a real life example, we're coming out of COVID. I am 51 years old. So all the little exercise stuff I used to work, yeah, doesn't work anymore. I hired a coach. Now I had to hire a new coach because my old coach was telling me I couldn't drink wine. I was like, okay, you're fired. You're fired. I'm drinking wine, right? I need to tell me what I don't need to eat so I can drink wine. So my new coach said, listen, you can drink wine, but here's how you do it. And I'm saying that because I had to be clear with who I am. I love a great glass of wine. I would do good for about a week or two. And then I'd be like trying to feed to go get a glass of wine. I know myself. I had to hire a coach that could tell me, but then she said, but here's the other reason why it has nothing to do with the wine. It has to do with this, this. I was like, oh, and I'm gonna tell you, I made the one shift she taught me to make. But with that one shift, I lost eight pounds in two weeks and, and barely doing anything but shifting high. I eat and still drinking my wine. Oh, and eating pizza too. Wow. I'm 52. I have that menopause weight that's coming yes. on and I'm yes. like just out of nowhere. And I'm like, I don't even feel like I eat that much, but I do like my wine as well. I want to hear how people can work with you. You have all these different programs. You do public speaking. How are some ways that people can work with you directly, maybe be inspired by you? So two things I want to give a gift. One is take my Brilliance Roadmap Quiz. It's free. It's at brilliancesroadmapquiz.com. When you take the quiz, it's going to tell you what stage you're in, whether it's to define your purpose, whether it's to build your billion dollar brand alongside your nine to five, or maybe you start a business already and you've not hit six figures predictable. And then it gives you five five days for free of how to move it forward from where you are. And I always like to gift that with people. And then by the way, at the end, you get a strategy session with one of my coaches. So during that session, if there's a way for you to work with me or anybody else, because we don't sell, we serve. So whether it's me or somebody else that we know, we'll make that recommendation. But I always like to start with that because it gives you a foundation of where you are, how to move it forward and where you have holes so that we can support you the right way. Nice. All right. And we'll have links to everything in the show notes. And where do you hang out? I know you mentioned Clubhouse. So are you on Clubhouse? Do you have a room? Do you show up on Clubhouse? Listen, I'm probably the worst because I would coach my clients and tell them to do it. But let me tell you, I can't find time. to. I don't know how people sit on Clubhouse. I can't find that extra time in my day. So my favorite thing is Instagram. And I'm very transparent, by the way. So I'm not saying I'm never on Clubhouse. I get invited, but I tried to do Clubhouse once a week and I'm like, oh, I can't keep up with it. And then it doesn't stay. So if you're not in my room, then it's gone after that. So I do Amplify Your Brilliance Mondays. I do it every Monday when I'm not traveling. If you go to AmplifyYourBrilliancemonday.com, you'll go to my Facebook page, like it, join. But Instagram, my favorite things, you'll get funny, Nicole, you'll get spiritual, Nicole, you'll get strategy, Nicole, you get a little bit of day in the life, Nicole, you get a little bit of everything. But yeah. That's what you find. Nice. The bankroll, your brilliance, it seemed like it was like a series on YouTube. Is that what was that? I do. So Black Doctor invited me to do their podcast like this one. And after I did their podcast, they invited me to do a segment every week. On Thursdays on blackdoctor.org, their Facebook channel. Every Thursday I do bankroll, your brilliance Thursdays. That's what that is. I try to expand it. So the value piece, I try to do different angles. Like we did letting go of mom guilt, restarting the business. So I try to do different angles besides just the stuff I teach. I have guests and stuff like that. Yeah. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Nicole, for being on the podcast today. Hey, thank you for having me. This was fun. That went fast. 